Welcome. We are the Projectile Lunchcast, a group of friends with a combined professional video games industry experience of over 20 years. More importantly, we have collectively been discussing video games for close to a century, including during most of our lunch breaks. People forced to witness these arguments kept telling us to just get a room and make a podcast. So that's what we did. We don't think they had any idea what they were bargaining for, yet here we are. And we couldn't be more excited to have you, dear listener, join us on this adventure. Welcome to the Projectile Lunchcast. It is episode 11. It is lunchtime. We are all here. I am not Marcel. Party time! No Marcel! No Marcel. (laughs) Finally we are free. Marcel's eating lunch elsewhere, on some island somewhere. Looking at his phone, probably. Definitely looking at his phone. Surgically attached to his Mm -hmm. phone. Wherever, whatever lunchroom he's in, whatever phone he's looking at, I I hope he's doing fine. Instead, today, I am joined by... Basti. Hi, hi. Matt. Hello, Richard. And returning guest, Africa. Greetings. Greetings. <laughs> Salutations. Do you have another one? <laughs> oh, God. No, my mind is blank now. It's just greetings and salutations. Writer's block. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> what a fantastic segue. Because, you know, we got two writers. Two writers for the price of one writer. <laughs> Nominally, we're both writers. Like, you know. Half of the room, writists. So we're going to talk about writing today. Texters. 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 That sounds like... That sounds like... That sounds like some let me slide into your DMs. Like, I'm a texter. That's how I get them. Just texting. We, all we do is we just have our phones and we just type stuff on a, like an alphanumeric keyboard. Yeah. Like, and that's how we write So you, just, you text each other the game lines. Yeah, exactly. And then giggle about them. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, well, so uh, with with a, a wealth of writers, we wanted to talk about writing, uh, and we uh, we kind of came up um, kicking this idea around uh, about the difference uh, between the medium that we're working in and and a lot of the other um, traditional entertainment mediums, uh, and how writing kind of differs. So instead of just uh, just kind of kicking a can around talking about man, that game was written pretty well, uh, we wanted to look at games that um, that that kind of that kind of use writing. Uh, in in ways that other mediums can't or can't as can't as efficiently. Would, right? would, would you say specifically writing? Because I wasn't ready for that. Uh, you know, narrative stuff. Yeah, narratives better. All that kind of narrative jazz. I like narrative yeah, stuff. That kind stuff. of narratives it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so yeah, I, I think uh, I think um, like to kind of qualify what I'm saying is is something that me and Bastia were talking about earlier. Is like Last of Us is a game that a lot of people look at as. A well-written game with a great story, but it could probably, with uh, with a little bit of effort, be turned into a a movie or a book. Um, but but if it was a movie or a book, yeah. you couldn't pet a giraffe. They don't pet the giraffes, do they? They just they watch do. The no, walk they past. pet the giraffe. No, pet the, the giraffe. dumbest part of that game. Yeah. Wait, how many years is it? How dare you can it, pet a giraffe? In the post-apocalypse, the giraffes are doing okay. I don't care if it makes sense or also, not. You, you can cannot pet, pet a giraffe. giraffe. It's a cutscene. 
if I remember correctly. No, Listen, you have to press a button to Can I just interject briefly, sure. just to inform our listeners that there may be some spoilers in this episode? That's a great point. <laughs> I've never played The Last of Us. Oh. Now I know there's giraffes in it. No, yeah. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. You knew what things. you were getting into. Just wait till you hear about the hippopotamus. But, what? but, there's, but no there's a good there's a good point. Like especially with Last of Us, yes, you can press a button to to pet a giraffe, but the story itself, like most, if you if you look on on, on Google or wherever, right, list of best games, game stories, narratives, whatever, hmm. you get usually a lot of AAA games where oh, there's a very very cinematic, I hate that word, yeah. like a Hollywood esque story in a standard video game environment, just told very well with like a high budget cutscenes. I'm talking about like the your typical Naughty Dog games, etc. Mm. But there's not already the case where the gameplay narration or where the fact that you're playing a game serves somehow um, to, to tell yeah to tell a better story because yeah. you're playing a game not watching a movie like watching the last of us maybe except for beating people to pulp and that weird feeling when you do that for the first couple of times on uh, as a let's play it's a same experience there's no real connection you really to think you as so? a player. yeah because for me like uh, i would have definitely had a different connection to the character of ellie if i was just watching joel care for ellie than if being me caring for her like all this sort of stuff like when you when she's being a bit blue and stuff and 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 she's not really following and you look around and you find her like sitting on the bench being all moody and stuff and you go back to her being like hey are you kid are you you're right that sort of stuff you can't do i, I agree when it comes to quiet time in last of us it did a really good job when it comes to anything else i think elizabeth as an example in bioshock did a way better job in being like a, a good ai companion because Everything she does is glitching around, often gets bitten or into trouble, but you actually don't have to worry because she cannot die. Yeah. I felt like in all action combat gameplay scenes... Ellie can't die, can't she? No, she cannot die. No, Ellie can't die. Ellie can't. Elizabeth. Both of them can't die. What what other games do you put in this bucket of being highly cinematic, but maybe it's somehow disconnected from, from the gameplay? Because... Because I think that's one extreme uh, oh. in games, like of storytelling, where it's like it's a layer and it's just completely separated, and it feels separated from the game. But I did find, like with Heavy Rain, for example, like the first time, like those oh, all those Ooh, David Cage QTS um, things, things that you get in there, um, QTE, sorry, yeah, um, in there are basically like they're just on top. They're not. They're not. It's not connected. Are we However, going to I talk could... about ludonarrative dissonance? Because I always don't, wanted to we, say that we're in a podcast. We, we, we can. <laughs> I, I just wanted to present because we're looking for something, something else, aren't we? Yeah. Today yeah. and and what I want to present also is the other extreme, so, um, yeah. as something we're not looking for. Uh, and this, what I'm about to say, might be a bit controversial. I don't yeah. know whether you agree, but um, games that are highly systemic, they, they create emergent. Stories, mm. let's say, sure. player yeah. stories. I I feel that those aren't stories at all. Interesting. And the reason I say that is because it's a bit like um, so you get a game where there's lots of systems and they interact and they produce some strange result. And mm. you and your mates may be playing multiplayer or something, and some weird thing happens. You're like, whoa, look at that! For me, it's like this thing called I think of as like the you have to be there test. Okay. And oh, yeah. Basically, if you if you feel like Hey, there's this thing we did, and it was really mm-hmm. cool. It's like you're telling someone your dream. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do they give a shit? 
And the reason for that is there's no kind of context or commentary or um, kind of um, yeah examination of yeah. that. And it's only when, for example, um, a journalist takes one of those moments and writes an article about mm. it that you get an actual story because mm. everything is then put into perspective. Yeah. If it's just you and your mates, though, that is a story for you, but it's a very personal thing. Mm. And it's not something you can tell someone else. Therefore, it's it's not a story. I agree. It's like mm. the Mad Libs of story. I went to a, a, like a like a amusement park, and there was a car on fire, and this guy shot at me. You know, this, yeah. I well, like the D and D thing mm. where you're like, and I rolled the the D twenty, and I got mm. a sixteen, and it was like, oh, it was amazing because I had this like shield equipped that yeah. had that bonus, and yeah. then, and you're like. Okay, that's that's wonderful. I'm mm. sure it was great, and mm. it is a kind of story because it's your own story. But that's not, you know, stories are supposed to be f- further reaching than that. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you can tell the story uh, through other mediums than just let's say a voiceover or cutscene or text. Like, talking about like uh, you can tell a story by your level design as an example, where often writers are involved, even if the actual story element is more about like sure. the the way you perceive your surroundings, etc. But I think we all agree on that. Uh, event triggers by funny stuff. I'm talking about like stuff like Far Cry. This game is systemically built around the idea of that with animals, AI, or whatever. Crazy like stuff happens all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, there's not narration. Goat simulator. Right? They'll absolutely say that. Like in in a lot of their design stuff is like it, it's they are they are yeah goat simulation. Maybe mm. a little less. Because um, there is deep, deep lore in Goat Simulator, <laughs> um, and I'd appreciate if you if you uh, didn't besmirch that. But um, but the, yeah, the, 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 that is definitely it's, it's good that you brought that up because that is a, a school of design where where people will probably kind of get in front of there and, and say we've we've kind of set up a bunch of mouse trap like mm-hmm. events, and as you trip through the world and set these things off, I mean it is it is painting a picture of an environment. But yeah, that, that's not what we're 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 kind of. We're kind of talking about we're, we're we're trying to celebrate games that are, I think I think unique. Mm. Um, using using games as a unique medium yeah. to tell stories is kind of neat. For me, the the, the most like the the best example I always uh, is this your come first one because we're gonna go in turns. So I don't want you to I don't want to I don't want you to waste. No, but like to, like to introduce the the yeah. the topic a bit because like the my idea of this is um, always brothers: A Tale of Two Sons. It's mm-hmm. a big spoiler. I'm just gonna drop oh, no. here. Not sure oh, if no. you played it. Fast forward. Have you have you played it? Show your eyes now. Okay, so you know in this game you control two uh, different brothers, like each two brother different. Each brother is ca- a stick, yeah. and the each brother sons. is a stick and has a stick and a button, right? Like yeah. an interaction. You button. can play co-op as well, can you? <clears throat> yeah. yeah, you could play co-op. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's like designed to play on the same uh, controller, so you can play with both both your hands, and your like your right hand is the, the younger, and your left hand is the older brother, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Um, so it comes like you you go through the whole thing, learning how to control both of them and to think of these two separate entities with each of your hands and stuff. And your brain, like you now associate part of your body with one of them and the other half of your body with the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it comes a point where uh, the older brother dies. Oh no! And from that point of the story onwards, your your I don't know left hand or whatever is associated with the with the older brother is just limp. So you actually feel the death of the brother on your body. And then uh, it comes to a point where the, the, the younger brother is very scared of water. Mm-hmm. So whenever they had to cross water or, or anything, uh, it had to be the, the older brother crossing the water and then finding a way to to, cro- to, to make the, the, the younger brother cross or something. 
and it comes to a point where the younger brother has to go through water and there's no other way around it. Uh, and of course he's alone now, so he can trust on his young older brother to find a way to make him cross. So you stand, so you, you stand there on the, on the edge of the water thinking, what the hell should I do? There's no way. And you try to make the, the younger brother go into the water. He just refuses until you press the older uh, brother button on the controller oh. and he like gathers the strength to go through the water it's like this magical moment of inspiration yeah. that you actually feel through the, through the controller it's just something that you could not experience through something other than a game do they do they hint at that at all are they like tool tips or something like try the, try the stick you haven't tried in a few hours i am i am not 100 percent sure because that was a very long time ago uh maybe you you kind of hear the think when when you Press the button. You hear the voice of the older brother or something. Press press F to summon inner strength. I'm not I'm not I'm not sure if I, I'm not sure if there's a tooltip, but I think once you press it, you, you hear his you like it, yeah. you you hear his voice like encouraging the the younger brother. That's a so yeah that that's kind of a good example because you couldn't really do that kind of interactivity in your story or yeah. that kind of that kind of kind of callback to tying in gameplay mechanics or yeah. or, or with your story in, in in other things. It would yeah. just kind of fall a little. A little flatter. Yeah, you could probably tell a story about, you know, little brother's very sad, cannot do this, uh, remembers his, his bigger brother. Mm. But, I mean, the impact of that, I think, is a little dulled yeah. by, by not being able to touch that. All right, so we're going to we're gonna kind of go around and talk about some games like sure. that. Yeah? Matthew? Yeah, so I kind of, I, I brought two to the table. Yep. And one is kind of an obvious one. And one is a less obvious one, or a less well-known one. And the first and the obvious one, I think is probably well the Persona series, mm-hmm. but but in particular for me uh, Persona Four, um, and I kind of categorise it along with maybe with Heavy Rain, maybe with a bit also like okay. Le Noir. Um, no, from an experiential perspective. See, this is interesting because they've made shows out of Persona before. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing I find about yeah. it that I find interesting and fascinating. Yeah. Is I'm I'm really into like the the borderline between reality and uh, and uh, unreality, and um, you know that's kind of a defining thing in in my life in in fiction and and, and writing and like it's something I, I find really interesting in games. And if you look at the the beginning of Persona, it's really interesting what they did there because Persona Four this is mm-hmm. how they have that murder mystery and yep. a small town. It's showing you uh, kind of bits of rural Japan, um, effectively, uh, and this kind of um, this engages you in, in in it. But also, what what's happening is that the bits that you're allowed to explore of the town, you're are being curated for you by uh, the being authored for you by the creators of the game. The, the bits you're shown and the bits you're not shown, the bits they choose to show, the rules they create. With the game, the mechanics. Yeah. Um, also, in the Unreal world, are fascinating because they really highlight the the uh, the kind of contradictions, quite straightforward contradictions of the the enemies you fight and these teenagers you're trying to mm-hmm. um, trying to free from their demons, effectively. But but there's the, these these kind of contrasts and uh, counterpoints going on in there, which are really interesting, but also manifest in the way that you defeat the bosses. Obviously, you have to play the yeah. game to, to to see all of those. Like, um, but yeah, they're they're really interesting. And I just found at the end of the game, when I finished that game, I found it really hard to leave that world. Yeah, and that's something that I found very I find very rarely in games. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I very rarely have that feeling like with a book where you you exit it, you think I've left, I've lost something mm. now. Yeah. Right, I can't go back to, I can't do that again because it won't be like it was when I first went in and watched it, like a great movie or something right. like that. I think that's a, that's a pretty kind of kind of cool callback with because uh, we we talked about Persona a lot on. Mm. On the last time you were here, mm-hmm. and I, like I, I think that 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 gives a lot of depth to the the idea, like Persona games making you feel like you're part of a group of friends, you're, you're part of this town, yeah. uh, and you you really you really get into that setting. And, and a common theme in that is at the end of the the year you're moving on or you're you're mm-hmm. doing something else with your life. You're only temporarily in this setting, and like yeah, I mean because I've I've hit it in in three, four, and five. I mean the other two, the the earlier Persona games are way more. SMT than the than the newer ones before it really came into its own, but it's like you are you are always leaving, and that 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 uh, they they put a lot of time into that leaving that you wouldn't see. I mean, it's like it's like a fucking Lord of the Rings ending. Yeah. It's like half an yeah. hour yeah. of just talking to everybody, and they all remember. You know, yeah. But that's yeah. that's another thing that doesn't happen often in linear media. Like in linear media, you just experience the points in the story where where something interesting happens, like sure. where in, when a scene happens. Sure. But in the game, you get to inhabit a world and do like day to day stuff, and you stumble upon the events. Well, may, I mean, sometimes they, ta- they do like time skips and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But most of the time, you, they, you're just thrown into that world, and then things happen to you. But you're not just seeing when things happen, you're experiencing all the things in between as right. well. The concept of time in that game is really interesting yeah. and very much connected with that feeling, I think, yeah. that I had after it. Because as you say, like once it's done, it's it's done, isn't it? Like you go yeah. through the, yeah. the school year. And well, they really layer it because you get into routines, yeah. you know, and that, I think that really helps you feel a little more comfortable yeah, in that absolutely. world. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, what am I doing for, for lunch? What am I doing after school? What am I studying? Should I go into the you know the 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 dungeon right tonight? Yeah. And I'm like, you get this weird sense of of real world connectivity that I think that they they had to overcome a lot of because like my first reaction to playing a lot of that Persona stuff was how how J that was like how how anime some of that shit <laughs> is where it's like, all right kids, you've discovered that there are demons and in a certain amount of time they're going to end the world. And then they're like, "You're right, but look, we got finals coming up, so we're going to have cannot miss class." I'm, 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 re- I'm really glad that Marcel's not here when I brought this topic <laughs> from this game. Country the way uh, <laughs> the virtual friends thing again. Anime. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's that's a that's a good one. Mm-hmm. I like that one, mm-hmm. Basti. Uh, okay, my my first pick would be when it comes to game narration, the game which influenced me most, and on, a, on an emotional, even on a psychological level, and that is uh, Silent Hill Two. Okay, mm. that one game where it's not even about like the the gameplay mechanics or how like gameplay mechanics are intertwined with something, because to be honest, to be frank, another another Silent property Hill. that somebody has made a has tried to make a movie out of. This is interesting to me. Look, fight me over the first Silent Hill movie. All video game movies are garbage. We'll do an episode about this. We'll do an episode. Absolutely. Oh, Oh, yeah, we will do it. Oh, it's on. So, yeah, Silent Hill 2. um, It's not really about the gameplay because, to be frank, the gameplay is not necessarily good. That's okay. It's it's the PS1 tank controls. Um, But what makes Silent Hill 2 great is that the whole game feels like a... um, like being in a, on a meta level of a storytelling, because while Silent Hill 1 and even like Silent Hill 3 have a lot of like uh, psychological themes, it is an actual story told um, with the villains, with everything in there, which you would usually get from a hero's journey. So 
But the story of James Sunderland in Silent Dev 2 turns everything upside down. And what it really is about is of someone who has to overcome grief and guilt and some horrible things he has done while you start from the get-go with that classic idea, okay, this is like a horror game, but probably hero's journey. I will encounter horrible things, some villains, maybe some plot, whatever, at the end. It will turn either good or bad because it's a horror game. But what it really is about as more and more you learn on that really strange and weird journey of James Sunderland and Silent Hill is, that is about him. And it felt yeah. feels like uh, he is descending in its own personal hell, in its own personal mind, coming to terms with a few things. And what makes the game really great about that is that you have that expectation, okay, this is a Silent Hill horror game, whatever. And then slowly, very slowly, you feel like you're almost crawling into the skin of James Sunderland. You feel uncomfortable. You, uh, the, the pace changes of that game, as an example. Up the, to the point when you, especially if you play that for the first time, realize what is going on here. Like, this is all a metaphor. The, that is right the point of the game. We're not like switching sceneries anymore, like go to the hospital, go to building, etc. to find something. You are in a weird, weird... Um, place where you descend holds so like you're in a room you have to solve a puzzle sometimes not even a puzzle sometimes there's just a hole in the ground and you have to descend more and deeper and deeper like architecture surrounding the size of the world nothing makes sense anymore to the point where sometimes you have to just jump down holes and it says oh there's a deep dark hole and there's nothing to do for you except for going one level deeper so like they're playing with this kind of like element and without jump scares horror the classic typical horror element you feel like, I felt for the first time really, really sick. And when the big reveal comes, uh, so what actually happened? So the long story short, he is going to Silent Hill become, because he got a letter from his uh, passed away wife. When you really realize at the end what happened to his wife, why he is in Silent Hill living through that hell. I've never experienced a game where I felt physically sick and disgusted almost by myself not because i've done something wrong because i felt so much into that character like all the gruesome grittiness from from last of us whatever that was able to shock me but in silent hill 2 i felt really sick so why do you you think it being a game made that different than just like like what what about what about the 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 breakthrough the kind of because it seems like you could tell that story and it would have a similar effect but what was what was enhanced by the fact that um, I'm also like a big fan of, of classic movies like Jacob's Letter, which was like a heavy, sure. if not the, the number one inspiration for the Silent Hill series, as an example, and a lot of psychological horror movies, but that you have to push yourself constantly further. You have yeah. to look for, oh, what do I do next? You have to go through the puzzles. You have to force yourself, even to the point where you don't want to as a player, because if you're shitty about the whole scenario and situation, you have to go there. You have to jump down that hole. You are in that... I think the the uh, even though it's very when it comes to gameplay slightly that I am the one pushing the button going into yep. my glooming yep. doom which is waiting for me which will fuck me up and there's no way around it I'm still doing it because I want to finish that video game even though my brain tells me why are you doing this this is horrible just let it go play something else whatever mm-hmm. so I th- I think this comes only via via interactivity so do you think like um like the idea that because uh, I, I mean yeah that, that's that's one of the cool things about Silent Hill too is like it is it is James's personalized hell yeah 
it's all very very they take a lot of time to kind of tie in those torments like like pyramid head being you know symbolic of a lot of things that happen specifically yeah. to James do you think it would be cool if you just took pyramid head and made him like a crappy Freddy Krueger monster of the week in like a movie uh, and he would just show up and be garbage in like a movie that was also garbage do you think that would be cool or garbage we will do that episode Richard <laughs> bye <laughs> Me. Two good movies, video game adaptations. The first one is the first Silent Hill. This is a good, good movie. Oh, God. Second one is Mortal Kombat, the first one. Oh, painful. Absolutely stellar. Matt, but, save me. But what you're saying is the compulsion to get through the game is something that the developers almost... It felt like maybe they were almost mocking the fact that you have this compulsion that you have to keep playing, yeah. get through it. Yeah. And it's like that is definitely something you can't achieve it. In, in another medium. Yeah. For sure. Cool. So since I'm since I'm all for uh, setting up little podcast rules and then immediately breaking them, I couldn't think of which which one kind of champions the idea that I'm that I'm going to talk about first. Um, but uh, but it's more it's more of a genre in that I can name a few examples. So I kind of I, I really like the idea that that uh, you don't get in a lot of other of other medias of like finding a story by exploring a setting specifically mm. for that. So I mean I think I think the most famous example would be like a gone home mm. where there the, no there there is no actual story. You just you load the game, you're on a porch. Every everything that you're piecing together is by rummaging through someone's house. And um like I th- I think I think it's you're starting to see that genre pick up a little bit. Another another one that I greatly enjoyed was um her story. Yeah. If you guys mm-hmm. haven't had a chance well, to check out her story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic, and and there is no there is no kind of end game in that you you are reviewing footage, searching for it by keyword, and that's the mm-hmm. kind of game element of it. But whatever story you take away from that is kind of you you can you can log off at any time and just be like, well, look, that that's my understanding of it. And yes, you'll dig deeper, and there will be a sort of of truth in that. But uh, but they're I think they just picked up again with telling lies. That's that's the kind yeah. of the same thing. Yeah, or like yeah. like like Obradin. Gets a ton mm. of praise for the, the same thing, but I, I haven't really, played this moment. It yeah. seems to be brilliant, right? Um, uh, the, the even even the Gone Home kids did uh, take, what was it called? Tacoma? Yeah, the sequel in the space it's station. Mm-hmm. Good, yeah. But but yeah, like I, I think um, I think there's an interesting way, and it's a, it's such a tough line to toe because you can really kind of ghost house somebody, you know, like here walk through this path and we'll present you with little story story bits, and all you're really doing is this. This, uh, to use a bad term, like walking simulator sort mm-hmm. of thing where it's by the time you get to the end of this path, the story will be told instead of having to really kind of go out of your way and piece things together. Um, so I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know which game would best exemplify that. But, uh, but yeah, the, the idea that the, the player goes through and just pulls out as much story is it's all, it's all kind of there. I, I like yeah. the, the feeling of interactivity of mm-hmm. being able to extract stories through that stuff. Vanishing mm-hmm. of Ethan Carter is also another yeah. example. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, I thought I thought of um, Edith Finch. Like the, yeah. Uh, but but the, the, the great thing about Edith Finch is actually, I mean, the, 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 the walking simulator bit of it, mm-hmm. it's good, but the, 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 the like, mini games ingrained yeah. into it, especially the last one, is brilliant. So, exactly. It's that such a good thing. example of, of this thing that we're talking about. I think that is absolute... Either you can call it design masterclass or game narration masterclass, Edith Finch, where you have a story, and usually you have this kind of like walking simulator style. Oh yeah, you can pick objects, can turn them around, puzzle your story, whatever. But that's a very short game, yeah. and you could clearly see for each single chapter where 
with the mini games, they thought about like, okay, like the story we want to tell, what kind of gameplay yeah. would serve the story? I'm talking mm. about the fish canary thing, etc. Exactly. So you feel like, and that is rarely the case. It's story first, but then the gameplay actually serves the story. Usually it's other way around or gameplay is completely uh, whatever. We don't care about gameplay with this one. We're talking about Firewatch, yeah. right? It's just like, okay, you have a great story, but is the gameplay actually like, it's except for I'm having an interactive experience, yeah. Any anything. Alan, yeah, Alan yeah. Wake, yeah. that's another one like that. Yeah. Uh, it has some gameplay elements to it, but I, I just find it like it's it's really... Ooh, that is the weakest of the, the Remedy games, including including uh, the one that I can't even remember the name of. I didn't like it. <laughs> well, so back to it, Finch. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah, so th- for that reason, I think, because we talked about that, like I, I, I told you that several times in the last couple of days, we talked about like narration games, etc. Matt, um, I think this is like the every single person who studies whatever game narrative which which does studies which are related to i want to become a game writer or a narrative designer etc should play edith finch because i think this is an absolute master class on how you merge gameplay and narration together to tell a greater story that sort of stuff is what got me into into games in the the first place like i was so fascinated with uh, telling stories through the procedures that through the rules of the game like through the things you make the players do like i was studying this this masters in creative writing and then we had a class about drama and we're uh, studying how uh, sometimes some some drama pieces can integrate the the audience within the within the piece by allowing them to perform certain actions in the drama. And I was like, damn, those video games. There's literally video games. Like, in video games, you communicate through a lot of stuff. You communicate through the writing, the the, the, the music, the audio, the, the visuals, the level. You communicate through... But you also communicate a lot of stuff through the rules. Not just in terms of what you can do in the game, in, as in how can you have fun, like how can you shoot, and stuff like that. But you also communicate narrative things. Like, you, you, you convey meanings and emotions through the things you do through the things that happen in the rules of the game in the in the world of the of, of the game that's what the, uh, the rules is a really interesting fascinates thing for, me. For, yeah. for, for me as well because like there's a one-to-one uh, parity between the rules that you create in a game like it's it's what you call um simulation rhetoric yeah. or whatever you, you call it um, it's good. More fancy words. Yeah. Procedural yeah. rhetoric. Uh, procedural rhetoric. I think they're the same thing. <laughs> Less fancy I think, words. I think those two things are the same thing yeah. um, to different people. Um, but basically, this idea that you're creating rules within a game and presenting them, and actually that combination of rules, you're actually saying something by doing that. You're, you're passing judgment. You're creating uh, some... A moral choice, or, yeah. or or at least you're positioning yourself mm. as the, an author would. You're mm. having a perspective mm-hmm. on the rules you've created. Maybe it's the combination of rules that you've presented for the player um, that you're actually creating an identity for for whatever it is. Mm-hmm. In the same way that you do with a novel. Exactly. So you, with a novel, you you're making decisions all the time. For example, to 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 say this character has this thing mm-hmm. and that's a rule and once mm-hmm. you write that down you really have to kind of be consistent about mm-hmm. that and and um and not break those rules or if you do then you have to go back and, and rework it to make sure it all fits harmoniously and mm-hmm. um and Are you jk rowling no don't give a damn but it, but about it is that. Like, magic the poop away it's like that um, 
I also wanted to go off on a, a bit of a tangent uh, yeah. to the development part of this. How nervous do you think um, publishers are, or, or you know, um, the the, cor- the corporate side of, of games production about these kind of games? Because I always find it strange. Because I think they're like Edith Finch, for example. Like if a big studio made a game, I, like I guess I don't imagine there's that many people behind that game. No, no, it's a very no. small. Team. But I mean, I find it strange that a really big publisher doesn't think let's do a game like that. Mm. They do, yeah. but but I mean, really, with that level of kind of um, mm. synergy between, mm. the, I mean, yeah. I mean, you have Valen Hearts from uh, Ubisoft. Mm. Um, you have uh, EA just went especially with um, what was the name again of that Prison Break thing from the. A way out. A way you have way out and revel, etc. Solitude, or what was the name again? So you see that a lot of publishers actually opened a branch of like when 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 indie games became big, to realize oh there's some money to be made. Also, might want to want to broaden our portfolio. And actually, most of the big AAA uh, uh, publishers or Sony or Microsoft itself uh, heavily support and publish games like that. I wouldn't they're say heavily. I mean, yeah. They're starting to. I think, Nintendo's yeah. doing a lot for indies. Like, there's such a cool catalogue of indies coming yeah, but boy, Switch, the, the question so. is like publishing your Twitch or actively publishing it. Like allowing it to sell your yeah. game in the store and active, actively having a publishing department publishing that under your name. That's something different. Well, I wouldn't good. say heavily, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's there. And I think I think they just, uh, what, what they do is um, is that's, that's their roulette bet. Uh, and that level, I, I think it's just like, oh, yeah, we'll let these crazy scams go, and if it picks up, good. If not, you know, it, it doesn't cost too much. I mean, exactly. I think it's rare to see a. I mean, we we all know how that 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 kind of basic industry thing works. Is like the more money you're going to put into a project, the more generally investors or people spending that money want it to be a safe bet. And uh, the, these kinds of games absolutely are not safe bets. So, uh, and that's why you see. Or one of the reasons you see a lot of sequels, a lot of a lot of kind of the same stuff because everybody's kind of looking to see how that impacts, and, uh, and then they're like, yeah, okay, we can, we can do it. You know, that's that's the safe thing on that. But, um, but generally, you can. Uh, uh, what what I would like to see is, is a little more of of that where where indies are going hmm. and that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, indies get a push on Nintendo, and I think it works out because it's. It's a whole generation of games or, or a subset of, of possibly popular games that can work on a Nintendo mm-hmm. console. Not everybody has to, to kind of freak out about the usual um, AAA graphics race. You know? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it just kind of works. But I'd like, I'd like to see where that kind of middle rise is because it seems like it's the $20 indie game, you know, the, the $30 indie darling, and then it's the, the AAA stuff. And, and seeing a little bit more in between there is going to be interesting to see if they can find it, because usually what that ends up being is a budget game or a a kind of we couldn't get there on graphics or we couldn't get there on story. Isn't it weird that the huge install player base of the Switch at the same time that the Switch is so limiting when it comes to a hardware capability almost feels enabling? Well, it does for the indie games because yeah. it's like yeah, we we can't afford to put or or nobody nobody can how do I say that? People are having a difficult time putting out the new graphic powerhouse Super Blockbuster. They're not having a difficult time porting over Yoku's Island Express, which is fucking dope. Um, you know, so they, they, they get a massive platform yeah. that bigger games can't. Yeah, so I, I would agree with you. There. No, you get Deadly Premonition. 
Switch. Your Switch. <laughs> Get Beautiful deadly game. premonition. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for the fact that I absolutely think watching it is sometimes a better experience than playing it, um, I, w- I that would definitely be on that list. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah uh, so speaking of games who are on the Nintendo Switch, yeah. indie games and games which have like rules in which the author take clearly takes a stance in like what's acceptable and what is not. Um, this wasn't a surprise to anyone, but I wanted to talk about Undertale. I've, yeah. Yeah. Have any of you guys played Undertale? Yeah. Okay. Have you fin- have you finished no. it? Okay. Have you finished it? No. I have okay. not finished it because I'm, only because of a battle. That I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not gonna. Yeah. I'm Be not quiet. gonna. Compl- they won't, they I'm won't gonna, notice that I haven't played Undertale. <laughs> I'm not gonna completely spoil it, but I, I wanted to. I, I actually wanted to talk about the rules because something that I find really interesting in that game, like you know, most of the games are either. You have no choice but to murder everyone, mm. or you have no choice but to be nice to everyone. Like, yeah. uh, it's either go on a murdering rampage or buy flowers for your neighbors. And um, <laughs> what I like about Anita is that it allows you to do both. Yeah. And it, it doesn't. Uh, it it kind of it, it kind of gently leads you into doing what obviously the author thinks is the right thing. Uh, but if you want to ignore it, you can make the choice to ignore it and go on the murderous rampage. Mm. And you have to make a very conscious decision to do like, uh, you, you know how there are like, like three routes, so to speak. Like there's the neutral route in which you maybe killed a couple of monsters, mm. uh, but not all of them. So it's like, well, maybe you were trying to defend yourself. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. There's the the absolute um, peaceful, completely uh, flowery. That's fun um, side of, of the game in which you don't kill absolutely anyone, mm-hmm. even if they are like literally begging you to kill them, mm-hmm. um, and you decide not to, and you make a very very conscious choice not to. And then there's the genocide route in which you have to actively seek each and every one of the monsters until the last one to kill all of them. And you have to stay in an area for hours, like trying to 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 kill all of the monsters you can until you get a message that says no one no one appears. No wow. there's there's no one else left to kill in this area. And you have to do that systematically. So uh, the the game literally lets you do all of that. But of course the author has a very strong yeah, and you can tell that he has a very strong point of view. And even if a lot of people, because people are fucking twisted and sick, a lot of people enjoy the, the genocide route, but the genocide route is really made not to be enjoyable. Like, the game is a lot less fun if you make the... It's a lot uh, shorter. You mm. don't meet... Of course, because you kill everyone, you don't meet a lot of people. So you're missing You don't content. meet a lot, of con- uh, a lot of characters. You kind of speed through it, and it punishes you with one of the most hilariously... Um, difficult bosses I've ever seen in the game, and that became a meme. Like it's it's so difficult to 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 beat that boss that that that's the most notable character of all time in that mm. fucking game. Um, I, so that's the thing. So yeah. in the game, it's a lot more, it's a lot longer and a lot more beautiful and a lot more entertaining if you go for the completely peaceful route. The thing that strikes me about that game, like I, I really enjoyed the humour in it and, mm. and the personality and a clear, a very clear vision because it comes from one guy, right? Yeah. Mostly, or I don't know. Toby Fox. Entirely, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah. But the fact that it's come from one person mm. is to its great advantage as a game because it allows that person to, to have a very clear idea of, of exactly what's happening in the game. Mm-hmm. 
and you really just see it as soon as you start playing you just get this kind of feeling of um a kind of uh humanity yeah but also like a very consistent idea of what this world is like mm-hmm. and that can only come from from one person actually um, it's a bit like the director of a film yeah um and and i i really admire that uh, of course what that also means is that for some people the game is not for them mm. um, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah the, the the idea about the um the save overwriting thing was was always the, oh, yeah. the interesting part of that to me yeah so just before I was going to pick up Undertale, somebody massively spoiled it for me, and oh. I completely lost interest. Um, but yeah, like like finding out about the the you, you got the bad ending, and now if you're playing on Steam, it overrides your your cloud save. So when you start a new game, you can do it. And if you delete your save game, you know without doing, I mean, it's pretty easy to bypass if you actively try to search it out. But the idea of man, I did this really poorly or or bad, I'm gonna just you know delete the save, and that gets rid of it all. And then it still like kind of re-ups your save from the cloud was was interesting to me. Yeah, it's... the game messes a lot with stuff like that yeah. and with save games. Definitely. And also does a lot of, of little things like, for example, this this character who doesn't really want to kill you, but she's willing to fight you. Yeah. Um, and when you're very low on health, you will see her attacks actually avoiding you. Like ah. you would move, and her attacks would would fall like would stay away from 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 you. Oh, yeah. interesting. Wow, the There's screen, a lot yeah. of stuff like that. There's a lot of back-referencing of games as well, like cl- classic things like you can play, like there's the, the, the music bit where you have to play the notes in sequence. Yeah. Like, and and uh, the thing I lo- absolutely love was the, is the thing where you search under things and it's like, no, there's nothing there. And then like <laughs> progressively, and then finally there's something. It's just very clever the way they use those classic things that you do in games. Mm-hmm. The player yeah. will do yeah. this. There's this bit at the very beginning yeah. when you have to like push rocks to, to push buttons. I think that's what and I And of course yeah. you, you push all of them and then the switch is active and then you can cross. But when you're about to cross, one of the rocks moves and you go back and you're like, what? You, you want me to move? Oh, you should have said so then. It moves there. And when you're about to cross, it moves again. And she was like, she's like, the stone is like, oh, you wanted me to stay there? should have said so. It's like fucking stupid, but it messes with uh, this very old conception of just move this to to activate a switch. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's the rock. As but this is the <clears throat> this is the kind of commentary. <laughs> this is the kind of commentary that, like I was talking about earlier, like it's a it's a comment on this. That's what it is, and that's yeah. that's a story mm-hmm. then, and that that's a kind of art form then as well. Yeah. Um, can I do my second one? Yeah. Is it time or? Yeah. It's good. You seem so excited. Uh, it's I like I'm wrapping a present. You, you said earlier the word grey, Richard. And I this did. is what my next game is about, the word grey. Because do you remember back in the days that, that, that I don't know, I really liked. So Grey Wolf, Metal Gear Solid. Kotor. Shit. Kotor. Yeah. Right? So, but what it, what it was was like you choose good or bad, basically. And also a lot of those Bioware ones, it's like good or bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, or maybe, I don't know, so maybe some in-betweens and stuff, but most it's good or bad. Mm-hmm. And I love that there are games that are experimented, have experimented with the grey areas yeah. between those things. And there's lots of those and um, progressively more. And I think, um, so for example, Divinity 2 like has, that's not the game I'm going to talk about, but it okay. has like those kind of choices that are a bit like, oh, I don't know what's... Is this right or is this right? I don't know. Maybe they're both bad. Maybe they're both good. I don't know. Um, it, it means that you bring your own judgment from the real world into the game. Yeah. And I lo- absolutely love that. 
Um, it's it goes beyond numbers and numerics logic in the background in games and takes you to a place that's much more instinctive. And so the game I want to talk about is called um, Heaven's Vault. Mm. I always get the name wrong because I think Heaven's Gate, which is a, a really failed blockbuster film cowboy movie from the 80s. Um, <laughs> well, it was also a cult, wasn't it? Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Put that Kool-Aid down. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this game is called Heaven's Vault. If you haven't played it, it's fantastic, uh, especially if you're into stories and stuff. Uh, if you're not into stories, you might not love it as much because visually it's it's of its type. Um, <laughs> it's made by Inkle Studios. You, who, you look at it and you're like, oh, it's one of those. <laughs> it's not quite that bad. It has a, it has a very distinctive style, okay. which is to its credit, because I don't think they had a great deal of resources to make it. Um, but... It's by Inkle Studios. They made 80 Days, which you may know. And that also has this kind of greyness. You choose things based on, you think, oh, that sounds interesting. It's not like, do you kill her? Do you not? It's mm-hmm. it's m- much more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I know. Like, I checked it on Google Foo, and now I know what you're talking about. I've seen a lot of footage about this. It's the one with the hieroglyphics, yeah? yeah. It's the one with the language you yeah. decipher. So that, of course, to me, that's very interesting sure. as well. because you the, the, As a writer. The, yeah, but the main gameplay is you're... you're working on this this language and it's a really nice bit of gameplay as yeah. well like trying to work out what the symbols mean um, it goes it's it goes far beyond just like a puzzle it's you start thinking about language and how language is constructed and that's something that you know a game can do but maybe you can't do that in the same amount of time somewhere in, in a movie or something like that and that's fascinating the main draw for me though is the fact that there are so many ways of ending this game or like playing through it, so many different stories you can create, but you, at no time do you feel that there is any story other than the one that you're in. Wow. The, 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 the kind of dimension that you're in mm-hmm. feels like the only one that can exist. And that is an incredible achievement from that kind of studio. And what it requires is a huge amount of writing and a huge amount of testing and um, it uses like Twine or like Inkle. They have mm. their own like um, version of this, yeah. this interactive thing. And it's just brilliantly exploited to create something that has that same feeling as with Persona, that you leave it and you think, God, how can I live without going back to that world? Sure. But I don't want to go back there. So how do you how do you avoid... Because like my, my problem with a lot of the, the grayness answers and stuff is that I, I kind of quickly check out and like, well, something shitty is going to happen either way, and you're in my way, so you have to die. It's a lot like the the experience thing I was talking about. Like, if somebody tries to fight you in a video game, like, I have a hard time connecting beyond a level of, of it's a game. So, I mean, like, a lot of times when I see gray stuff, it's like, well, you could do this, but then this guy will suffer. You know what I'm saying? I think the key thing is that the effect of the choice doesn't yeah. happen immediately. Yeah. In most case, mm. cases. A little less telltale... She will remember that sort of mm. thing, you I mean. Yes, and, and you don't know what knock-on effect it will have later, but you know that there will be one. Yeah. And that, for me, is, is a joyous thing. If it happens straight away, like you make a choice, and then it's like, right, I hate you now. Mm-hmm. We're diplomacy. We've gone to different directions with a mm-hmm. character, for example. Then you're like, well, it's clear what's happened there. Mm-hmm. I wish I hadn't done that now. Uh, oh, I want to see what the other one is like. But in this game, it doesn't allow you to think that because... You make a choice and you think, how is that going to affect things? I'm sure it will. I know it will because I know these developers. Yeah, uh, and I've made the choice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but 80 Days, of course, is another example of, of that succeeding. Fantastic. Yeah. Basti. Hmm. You only thought of one game, didn't you? 
No, no, no. I have, I have way oh, more. Yeah, like, like I could Scrabble. do whole, whole podcasts a- about. Um, I could do a whole podcast about uh, Bioshock and other things, but I think what if you have a second game to let you explain your second game because I have something different after that. You got a different game out of your second. No, game. Like I would uh, ask everyone here in that room uh, okay. a question. All right, yeah, we can we can flop around. I mean, because it wouldn't be. A, a week without Marcel, or B, a week where somebody asked me what game I like without talking about Dark Souls. Or... So would you kindly? No. See? It's that easy. Hang up the fucking walkie-talkie. Uh, Rapture's not that great. No, I like that game a lot. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I like that game. I like most of those games. Um, Bioshock 2 sucked. Uh, you'll be okay. Um, one of the... One of the, uh, the the series, so it's it's, it's hard uh, cause to to not just say every From game that this dude's kind of worked on, because I mean he did Armored Core and that's also really wacky. But I mean specifically, kind of got famous from from Demon Souls onward. Has anybody played any of the Souls games here? Yeah. Yeah. So so I mean the the idea is is that there is um, a kind of intro cinematic that's generally very vague, an ending cinematic that's generally very vague, and in between the story is picked up primarily through through the things that you're you're gathering they seem kind of inconsequential you know every uh, every item from a standard healing potion to a, a really cool sword has has background text and uh, it doesn't at least for me uh, it didn't it didn't occur until a significant amount of time playing through that game and kind of focusing on the difficulty in the gameplay setting uh, the gameplay uh, systems and all that that these descriptions were kind of referencing each other and tying themselves together in a way. And, and now, if it, it, like, I'd be a poor exp- explainer of that stuff. There's people that have YouTube channels dedicated to kind of throwing out the lore on this. And when, when they put together these theories, they're not far-fetched or they're not uh, requiring huge leaps of faith. Like, it, it's interesting to me watching people uh, talk about the Souls games or, or Sekiro, like they're referencing Bible passages. <laughs> It's like, well, if you look at the description on the crescent grass, they they mention the church, and the description on this spell mentions the same church, and it's like interesting to hear these guys do do references and shout outs to to different item descriptions and actually piece together a sequence of events from that, which is which they, they I mean you know that wouldn't be enough on its own, but they they go out of their way to layer that through with the level design master class in a lot of their stuff. They go out of their way to to uh, layer it with the art, and you'll always be finding these kind of hidden references and, and things. It's just world-building in, in the same sense, I guess, as the last thing that I mentioned, where somebody has just kind of made a world, invited you to explore it, and they're not holding your hand through it, or they're not walking you through and saying, well, and this this is why I put this bridge here. It was more like, like yeah, discover it, you know, see what you think. But the really interesting thing about that is it's still, all of it is very, very deliberate. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's the thing, and it, and it's that deliberateness that I absolutely love about that game. Well, you you heard the 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 um, I mean, it came out in in interviews. I think he mentioned it. Uh, Miyazaki, the the kind of writer, director, main dude, um, mentioned that when he was a kid growing up, he would he would read a lot of English fantasy novels, but his English wasn't fantastic, mm-hmm. so he'd have to kind of interpret from what he got the pieces that he got. He would kind of interpret the rest of the story. He said that that was like an influence in his writing style and that like, yeah, I'm not going to give you all these pieces. You can just kind of get the idea. But I mean, yeah. I mean, that is, that's, that is actually the, the bottom line when, it, when you're producing fiction of any kind mm-hmm. is that you don't tell everything. Why, right. why would you? It's like that's the, where the enjoyment is for the, the person reading it. Like there's a degree to which you have to 
give some information. You want to give something. How, how much of that is uh, is kind of don't show the monster in the horror movie? Yeah. Like, is is it, is it more of that? Do you think? Absolutely. Like, like letting letting your audience kind of but build the, the rest, or the thing in the imagination that you're you, you think of as the monster is far worse than the thing that right. you see. Yeah. Unless it's Pyramid Head. <laughs> I think, like, for me, this kind of stuff, like, watching these kind of, like, channels, thinking about that, even, like, uh, realizing myself that sometimes during lunch break or whatever, I just saw or thought about something, something Dark Souls, and then my mind gets all of a sudden weird and creative, and I have all these weird thoughts and moods, and I, I found this fascinating. Mm-hmm. I can spend ages just watching YouTube channels like Vati Vidya, etc., yeah, to, to listen to that kind of like stuff. But it's more about it's not not only because of the the items, the, like the 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 level architecture, the uh, actual models of the monsters and the bosses who have sometimes weird small bits and pieces. But I think that was it like actually deliberate or like yeah. Well, we like, I mean, I think by now, yeah, we yeah. can find out that it was. Uh, I mean, uh, especially some of the details that come in where it's like. This this crest only appears when these two things are that are that are only linked in these two item descriptions. Yeah. Like when it when it is layered, and the, the difference for me to bring up another game would be you know the beloved Destiny, because they did a largely the same thing. There's no lore like in game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean now in into you know you've got you've got those kind of descriptions, but they're doing the same thing. Like like the lore is given out very separately from the game. Like you've collected a piece of lore, go in and there's a book you know, and you're reading these these books and all that. But it's not echoed back in the same way that I think they do so well in a in a Souls game. You're not seeing a lot of that, like, oh, that's the site of that famous thing that I've read about in an item description four hours ago. It's just kind of there in the background. And they do fantastic lore. It's just the connection isn't yeah. as, as good. I, I think also some of the great thing about Dark Souls is the mechanical, the kind of asymmetry yeah. of the mechanical design. So all of the stuff that you get, it's like you don't quite know what the rules are. Right. Um, like, there's one rule for one thing and then one for another. Or the icons are just icons and there's not stats yeah. directly, you yeah. know. And, and you're trying to work out what the rules are. And then, and that's really very similar to the, the feeling, if not the, the, the reality, of um, trying to understand a piece of fiction or poetry or whatever, mm-hmm. where you're trying to un- you're trying to work out what's going on in there. The, the feelings are, are very similar. Sure. I, I think that is a little bit like uh, my, my comparison to, to Silent Hill 2. I'm trying to say something smart now. That's a writer. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you take Dark Souls, again, as like a, it begins like a hero's journey kind of setup, like most Western stories do, even like global, on a, on a global scale, right? You have that kind of like hero's journey. You think, okay, it's a fantasy land. I'm a, I'm a knight. Okay, it's a little bit scary, whatever. I'm, I'm in familiar territory somehow. And then you realize very, very quickly things are turned upside down. Nothing is as I would expect it in a usual video game up to the point that even like the Dark Souls is an actual deconstruction of the hero's journey trope, if you so will. And then you, you, you get alienated and then try to, to actually puzzle the story together. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, it feels like putting together ne- Necronomicon. Do I want to go down that rabbit hole getting the story together? What is the payoff for me? Do I, like, it's, it's fascinating. I think it was the, the, the like, like, I kind of agree with what you said. It, it, but they, they, they definitely get rid of that hero's journey thing. It's almost immediately thrown out. It's like you're, you're, you're a chosen one that is not chosen to do anything fortunate. You're you're the hero of this story in the sense that, like, it's gonna happen whether you're there or not. 
like yeah, that, that is that is an interesting kind of recurring theme in a lot of those Souls games is like what is what is going to happen is going to happen and you can kind of yeah slightly influence that or rush that along or do what you're going to do but like yeah, well, shit wasn't is, that obvious with the first Dark Souls I think they get they get into it with the with the um, once you kind of find out what linking the flame is and what that's about. Which which doesn't take yeah but it's just play time wise it, it takes some, some I mean it time. takes it's it takes time. some digging either way yeah. but um, but it, by the end of that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't or even even two thirds of the way through that game I don't think you should be viewing yourself as some kind of Dark dude Souls who's out great. to save the world you know dude who's out to yeah. to save anything Dark Souls is so great it's a good game I I really want to go back to it now but it's like for another thing that I feel like is a mastery there. And it's like, it's the same with other mediums, like even in cooking at the highest level uh, or in or in writing or in film direction, it's the power to surprise that mm. is there that is such, it's, you can tell that the person who's created that game really has it at the forefront of their mind. Like everything needs to be surprising. If you don't have surprise, it, you've got nothing. It's like, it turns into Skyrim. Um, Sorry, sorry to talk. <laughs> Whoa! But but uh, Skyrim is very very predictable as a game. Like it's sure. it's not uninteresting, yeah. but it's it's so predictable. All the story. systems. Yeah. Horrible! It's horrible in Skyrim. Yeah. I said it. I think uh, about this thing of of surprising. I think when when you play a game, you know it's a game, and, and you know it has rules, and you know that things cannot happen outside of those rules. And when a game breaks those rules, in an like for example, it comes to mind. I, I didn't actually play, but I watched a video on uh the last guardian and you know this the you know the the fumita where the, yeah. um the, yeah. the, the the big cat thing big puppy the, the cat thing, bird cat bird thing whatever it is uh, dog it's it's very scared oh, of, a, yeah, of okay. a certain uh, yeah, kind yeah. of pattern or something right. and you have to break it for it to go yeah. to go forward and there's a point in which the the, the character the kid is being taken away by bad guys is a lot of danger, but the, the, the cat dog bird cannot help because there's one of these kind of mirrors, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, that the, 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 the cat dog thing. What's this? Trico. Trico is, um, like, uh, very struggling because Trico wants to save the kid. But they can't because there's this mirror and they're like, ah. And then at that moment, Trico just jumps out. Just does it. And, and, he doesn't care that, that there's a mirror. Yeah. He just saves the kid. He smashes all the bad guys and saves the kids. And mm. it's like, I really didn't expect the, 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 the game to break its own rules for a narrative purpose. Like this impact moment. I, I really liked in Portal as well, which is a great game. Mm. Um, oh, fantastic. But the, the, the story yeah. bit of that, where you get broken out of the, the confines of the training zone. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's just fantastic. Yes. And in the, in the first game, that kind of came out of left field for me too. Yeah. 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 Basti, ask your thing, because we're, we're winding down. Okay, okay. So we talked about great examples, stuff we loved, um, and I totally want to go back to Dark Souls now. But how about stuff? you really really hate or get annoyed by is there like a, a certain trope or a thing in a, in video game storytelling where you think like oh when that happens in a video game story when that twist is a thing or that reason for x happens or that romance whatever that is something where you're just like oh i'm or i cannot stand this trope anymore i hate it when they make me do things that i don't want to do like the first time I remember something like this happening was I was maybe thirteen. I was playing Sword of Mana, and there's this this moment in which there's uh, this woman who has been like possessed by some sickness, 
and you have to do like a mercy kill. You have to like put 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 her down. Oh, yeah. You have to like battle against her. And after that, there's this very um, emotional scene in which she's like, "I'm so sorry, I lost my mind, but I will lose it again. So you have to kill me." And I was like, "Fuck no!" But the game, it, this 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 moment, this. So at first, I thought it was like a cinematic, but because it was a a, a pixel game, I th- there was really no telling. There wasn't a, a, a game world. And a cinematic world. Mm-hmm. So all I could see was the character there with her staff up, um, and it just wouldn't move. Oh, and after a, after a mo- after a moment, I was like, "Are they really gonna make me press the button to mm-hmm. kill her?" And I was like, "Fuck no! I don't want to do that. Do I it? really don't. I had to do it. There was no <laughs> other way out." Well, I gotta. There was no other way out. It, it was very powerful because it was the first time I felt like. Yeah, I have to do something even if I don't want to, which was how the character also felt. Yeah. It was like, fuck. But you know that if you wait for 30, like I think it's 30 minutes in that screen, what happens? You get a pop-up and it says, offer her psychological help and counselling. Yeah. <laughs> you get her a tea. So, replay it. It's worth it. That reminds me of the brilliant beginning of... There was, there was, there was absolutely a brilliant beginning of uh, Far Cry 4. When you're sitting there with, uh, what's this bad guy's uh, Ming? Pig and Ming. Ming. Pig and Ming, right? Yeah. Uh, and you just wait. Oh, that, and you start ending? to torture the guy. Yeah, yeah, you get just like a different ending, which is, I think, mm. a funny notch. No, I get that. Mm. get that. I, and I don't like to, to press uh, F if uh, the game tells you. Gotta pay respects. <laughs> so, uh, Matt. My big bugbear is absolutely without question is, is info dump. Uh, oh, uh, character yeah. or uh, texts, dialogues, whatever, and anything where there's just t- like, oh god, uh, mm. uh, pillars of eternity. I'm sorry, I have to, like there are things about that game that I, I liked, but it, in terms of info dumps and sorry exposition, it is an absolute. Um, you know, it should be locked up for life. Uh, I hate that. To be honest, I hate that in movies. I hate that in comic books. I hate that in video games. I, so that's my biggest gripe or problem with like CRPGs nowadays. Like, it's uh, why Divinity for me feels different. Why I like Divinity, while the other games are like, nah. I think it's like service to the past. I think it's something that they think, oh, this is what they always did, so let's carry on doing that. And I, and I just think, no, this is bad. You don't have to do it like that. They did it like that because they weren't. They were making games, you know, and it was like. You know, the original ones, it was like, okay, the story is important, but those people also, you know, they weren't so much interested in the writing. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't take care of the writing as a separate thing and, and try and make it better. Like, just from an editing point of view, just make it better. Don't stop. <laughs> stop sucking. Yeah. Suck sure don't tell. Okay, Richard. Uh, it's hard to find, like, an actual, like, specific trope that bugs me. I think the stuff that really grates on me is is dialogue or or writing or whatever when characters are talking and it sounds like either a um popular trailer or like a bad internet mm-hmm. any of that right. any of that turns me right out like and that, that was the thing i always bring up for with, real the, the, yeah. <laughs> it was the, it was the stuff that always <laughs> bugged me the most about about uh, destiny uh, narrative because like i was telling you like i really do love the lore in that game i think the world building is fantastic you can really <clears throat> excuse me you can really dig into it and find some amazing setups, and it's like having a bad DM. You know, it's like somebody somebody built this amazing world, and then it's like anytime there's characters, it's like it's like the character she jumps off a mountain and pulls out the guns in the air. It's, 
And she's like shooting him. And she's like, I guess these worms will have to get up earlier to get this bird. <laughs> 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 or something fucking stupid, and then it's you know it's fade to black, and it, like like any time it's stuff like that, or or any time I'm playing Borderlands, and it's oh just a, my it's god, just Borderlands! A, somebody's talking in a Borderlands game. I'm just like fucking. Life God. is strange. But look, he has three balls. Like, like yeah, kids don't really talk. Like that. Stop! Somebody watched no. Juno too much. Oh I my did god, like, like Life is Strange. Just, I'm just sorry. like the only thing that Life is Strange and David Cage have in common is a sad obsession with Ellen Page. <laughs> I did. I did like Claptrap's birthday though. That's no. <laughs> so I really love Life yeah. is Strange, even though it's flawed. And I like. I like Life is Strange. I do. But I, I agree. It's guilty as charged of one of my number one tropes in in, in video game storytelling. What is it? Time travel. Mm. Any oh, time travel? Fuck me, I hate. There's a very, very rare instance. I cannot think about any right now, except for Chrono Trigger, which mm-hmm. is one of the greatest games and Go also ahead. one of the greatest game stories of and game storytelling of all time. Yeah. yeah. But, like, I hate it. I, I mean, now, given that I also hated movies, but when, when the uh, Bioshock Infinite story when they wrapped up at the end the end it was like no that makes no sense like oh almost every single time if a game uses time travel as a explanation for the plot or Mm -hmm. solution for the plot or whatever it feels always like lazy writing for me it never makes sense despite all standards of like all theory of time travel whatever it's always super fucking tropey it's not scientific and it's in in a very very rare case time travel is not scientific kind yeah it's it's very (laughs) very here first (laughs) Uh, rarely clever or smart. It's 90% of the time super tropey. Like, I was so angry. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Infinite in general of Bioshock Infinite. I love the, the other titles. I even love two, Richard. But We've all seen your Elizabeth cosplay. Bastard. When the, the, the final time Travis story thing wrapped up at the end, I was like, no, that makes no sense. It's just bullshit. <laughs> it's lazy writing. Don't leave me hanging like this. F you. Yeah, this, this, this this an even trope like the trope of tropes of, of video game stories is amnesia. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> this also a good one. This yeah. also a good one. Usually starting at a beach. Um, um can't can't wait to play Link. Uh, to Link's play. Awakening. Yeah, just starting at a but, beach. But uh, but this kind of like I can't remember shit. Starting usually usually at the beach and then. Uh, so you know I have been an, journey, a secret agent show. for seventeen years and I'm a master of this. But I've forgotten everything, so I have to go through a tutorial and first. Just... <laughs> but your powers were taken away in the last game. That <laughs> Speaking of our powers being taken away, uh, yeah, we unfortunately have to wind this down. Mm. Um, so I, I'm not used to it, because Marcel usually closes this, so we'll try. I'll try my best. Let's see. Go, Basti, where can we follow you and talk to stuff things? Uh, if you really like the show and want to, to, to share some feedback or give us uh, ideas for future episodes or just want to hang out, you can uh, hook me up on Twitter on at Bastian Thun, which is T-H-U-N. And um, if you really want to complain about things and not happy with the show, audio quality, whatever, uh, at Comraven, or is it com underscore, underscore raven, raven, raven dot com. Com underscore raven yeah. dot com yeah. dot net to uh, send a formal complaint to uh, all, Marcel all negative press goes yeah to to yeah. com underscore and we have a website right uh, no we no, have not a website yeah, we have a website uh, we have an email just, just, like you, I feel like you've built that up now it's, 
If, <laughs> no, please you send us. Website. You can send us. Yeah, send us. Send us email through the website Google Mail <laughs> at projectilelunchcast at gmail We do get those. Uh, thank you for uh, your frequent frequent feedback. Please keep it coming. We're we're trying to uh, reflect that in in the shows that we make. Matt, where can, can people find you? You can come frolic with me in the pastures of Twitter at GoatFlip. <laughs> Flip goats. Mm-hmm. Africa, thank you for joining again. Oh, no problem. Happy to. Where can we find you on the Twitter? And the Twitter is the is just my name, but my name with you you shorten it and you spill it with a Y. Is this a fucking puzzle? Are people gonna? Are, it's you, just doing at, a, are at, you doing a narrative callback? <laughs> they have to go through old episodes to find it's, it. It's at Afrikuriel. So. What? Uh, what? Uh, it's just my name. It's uh, Guriel. Guriel. Spell it. Spell oh it. God! Again. A f r y c u r a e l. Go there Afri and talk Curiel. to talk, talk to Afri. Uh, as <laughs> always, uh, you can find me at uh, Ludo Narrative Disadont at Twitter dot com. <laughs> um, and then yeah, so so the rest of the stuff I, I did do some research on how to close on how to close shows in Marcel's absence. Um, so uh, a like and a subscribe is very appreciated. Smash smash the like button. Notification bell, right? Hit the bell. Smash. Sh- Leave a comment in the comments. Comments uh, below. This thumbs up. Share. Todd Howard. Instagram stories. Old school. Yeah, old school. We the old school. Yeah, old school. Been getting that money for a girl sweet as honey. Got me some roses and a little bling. I knocked at her door, she said, What you waiting for? I heard